Welcome back to the Odds Against podcast. It's a midweek special as we look forward to the Dante. Yes, you heard that right. And the beginning of New Markets July meet. Today, as always, I'm joined by Tom Pearson and by James Glover. How are you both? Good, thank you. Yeah, grand today. We're looking a bit more positive. Um, we're back on the beloved Knavesmeyer. I think we'll have a stronger week this week, back on the home turf. That's good to hear. not actually back. <laughs> when will we be? Come on. Yeah, oh, yeah. Not so good to hear that, is it really? The fact that... I can't actually remember the last time I missed a Dante, so this is going to be uh, a new experience. But you guys go, obviously, all the time. Um, luckily, there's also no Newcastle match on tonight, so we'll have James's full attention. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, only time will tell. Um, so before we look forward, uh, let's just quickly take a moment to look back. Obviously, there's been a lot of coverage so far already about the, the Oaks and the Derby and the Eclipse. But we're just going to have a quick touch on each. Tom, the Oaks, uh, with love, how high did you rate her performance and what do you think she can go on to achieve this season? Uh, I thought that was the best performance this season. Um, definitely, obviously, definitely in the UK, Ireland. Um, I, I think it was an absolute monster performance and I, I think she'll win the arc. Okay. James, the Derby Serpentine caused a lot of upset on Saturday. Um, what did you make of it and what do you reckon he'll go on to achieve this season? Well, was that shock and upset because he'd only won a maiden the week before? Well, if that's the case, it's just a, that's just what we've been up against this season. Had we not had COVID, he might have won a maiden, say, the back end of April, then gone to a trial, uh, what, sort of a couple of weeks into May. And if he'd have bolted up in a trial which he might well have done. He'd have gone off 5-1, to one, not 25-1. to one. So it's just we haven't seen much racing. So we haven't seen what these horses can do. Um, I don't think he's any worse than the previous three or four Derby winners. Um, so let, let's, let's wait and see. Um, I, I'd give him a chance. Okay. Um, and then looking at the Eclipse, Gayaf and Enable. I thought it was, uh, it was really exciting to see Gayaf proving what he really had to do and that was that he can back up these big performances consecutively and he now looks a top class older horse in my opinion and up there with any of the others we've seen over recent years um, and enable she probably ran a similar race to last year maybe a pound or two below that but just had a much better opponent than Gayaf up against her um, the King George looks hers for the taking uh, looking at the early odds there's not really much in the market that you'd really fancy to give her a race unless one of the sort of relatively unexposed three-year-olds takes their chance up against her. Um, so, yeah, um, it was an absolute cracking weekend's racing. And now we've got an absolute feast of midweek racing as well with uh, the, the, the Dante returning at York and also this July meeting at Newmarket. So we're going to start off with what, in, in our opinion anyway, the main race, the Dante, uh, on Thursday. Um, it's an extended 10 furlongs. 3.15, group two of three-year-olds. And Tom, we'll start with you. Um, it's quite a short price favourite here. Um, and What's your take on him and what's your take on the race? Well, it's a, it's a good derby trial, isn't it? I fancy a lot of these to run well in the derby, based on what we saw. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the highest ground is is going to take a lot of beating. Um, that that Wall-Koenig form from uh, Haydock looks pretty strong. Um, at the time, I think everybody kind of thought that Valdkornig's bubble had just been popped, but you, you've had uh, the horses in the Newmarket Stakes that beat and were Vulcan Star in second, who won a listed race, 
and uh, Mishriff uh, went on to win the French Derby on Sunday. So his form doesn't look too bad. Um, so his form, highest ground beating him at Haydock, has taken a boost through Raul Koenig, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. The, the one concern that I kind of had with him, and it's, it's only a minor concern, um, in that race at Haydock, he, he was niggled along quite early, maybe about three and a half furlongs out. It wasn't anything, he wasn't hard ridden, but I think if anything is going to beat him, it might be that York is a bit of a speedy 10 furlongs. Um, and this is obviously a bit of a step up in terms of general opposition. I, I don't, whether, whether there's anything of the class of Valkonig in here, I, I'm not so sure. But the one thing that I would say is, I could never bet in the race, but the favourite is the right favourite. But I think everything else is all wrong in the market. I think Juan Elcano, if you ignore his Hampton Court run, or even taking it into account, is Guinea's fifth. He should probably be second favourite. I thought Al Madar was uh, really impressive when he just held off in Cypher in a um, new market novice race. That That's pretty good form. I, I think that Thunderous has formed behind Falcon Star is doesn't really entitle him to be fifteen to two, seven to one, and neither does Cormor and Derrinstown because he only won because Shamey didn't really want Russian Emperor to win that day. So yeah, I, th- I think outside outside of the favourite, the market is all wrong. But yeah, not not really a market worth playing for me. Okay, James, what's your thoughts on the race? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to agree. Um, highest grounds of warm order, rightly so. He was doing his best work at the end when beating Volkonig at, at Haydock. Or, or was Volkonig stopping? Um, I think he's probably going to be best over a mile. But other than that horse, he's not beaten a lot at Leicester first time. And there was nothing really in that race at, at Haydock. So he's, he is the right favourite, but he's four to six in places. And that's too short for me. As an alternative, I'd go for Almada. He's he's nine to one. The the form of his debut at Newmarket strong. He beat Al Salail. I think Tsar was in that race and his first first receiver who ran uh, at Ascot um, followed followed up this season. And I like how he just always seems to do enough. Um, I think he's overpriced at nine to one. I'd probably back him each way, even with with two places. Um, nine to one is your alternative to highest ground. Okay, so one of the bigger price sources there. I, I, I tend to agree with you both. I think highest ground, he is the right favourite, but I do think he's possibly a bit short given the fact that he looks like he's still very much a working... Even though he looks a class horse, he looks like a work in progress. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, he's the archetype to Michael Stout, four-year-old improver next season as well, the way he sort of he looks at the moment. But um, the two that I, I did like was the two... The two Siuni Colts, Al Madhar and Encipher. Um, I thought it was quite interesting that they actually ended up meeting each other earlier on in the season in just a sort of small novice race. Um, Al Madhar just coming out on top. Um, I didn't think there's really much between them on that run. And I actually thought they were probably much more exciting propositions than Cormorant Thunderous and Juan Alcano. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if one of them two could... Uh, I'm surprised that they're the outsiders of the field, put it that way. Um, it wouldn't be a strong strong bet for me, but I, I would tend to maybe go with Encipher, possibly. Um, he's about 10, 12 to 1 now. And I thought he might overturn the form of Al-Madhar. 
he, he was doing his best work later on and he was a bit poorer positioned last time. Right, so we're going to move on from the Colts to the Phillies, the Musidora Stakes. And we're going to start with James on this one. Um, James, what's your thoughts on the Musidora Stakes? So I th- originally thought this was another race with a, with a short price favourite in, in Franconia. But that's now, well, the market's a bit all over the place um, <laughs> since, the, since the jockey bookings have changed. Um, my only concerns with Franconia was that um, she looked like she took quite a while to get going um, at Newbury. And like Tom said, York's maybe a speed 10 furlongs. Um, she might get done for a bit of toe. Um, one that I thought didn't lack pace was William Huggis's Barige. Um, and he is, she rather, is as big as 22 to 1 in, in, in a few places. Um, Even 25 is available for you with better picture. Oh, is it? Well, it's just saying 22s on mine now. So unless she's just been shortened in the last two minutes, um, I thought she was quite impressive getting her head down and battling on to win to win last time. William Haggis has good form, good, excellent record with his runners at York. She's by Ifrage, who mainly gets was a sprinter, mainly gets quicker horses. But the dam won a listed race over ten furlongs, so I've no real concerns over the trip. Um, and she did look to be sort of getting her head down and getting on with it, it last time. So the step up to 10 shouldn't be any problems. I thought she was a massive price, really, at 25 to 1 into 22s now, I think. OK, that's a strong each-way selection there. I'm one of the bigger price sources from James. Got a lot of time for that. Um, I think this is quite an interesting race. I'm quite surprised that Judmont are running all three fillies in here. I suppose it's a good opportunity to try and get um, some black type and they're, they're all sort of along that natural progression um, the one that I liked quite a lot from last season going forward this year was Pocket Square um, she was really impressive when she won at Ascot on a second start um, she built on that to go and beat Run Wild in a group three over in France um, I'm not quite I don't quite understand the penalty structure but she's not doesn't look to be penalised for that here um, and I just thought even if she's by Night of Thunder um, there's plenty of stamina on the dam side, I, think, I believe the dam. Just going to double check now before saying daft. But um, she was she looked like the type that would really progress up to ten furlongs this season, not based on her runs last year. Um, and yeah, a dam, a dam was listed place over ten furlongs and related to a mile and a half Group One winner. So there's plenty of stamina on the on the dam side of the pedigree, and I thought she was quite an exciting prospect for this season. Um, and she's around about the nine to two price, I think. Um, so I think she'd be where I'd be looking in this race. Tom, what about yourself? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I'd be in the pocket square camp. It's it's a bit of a shame, really, because I, I was really looking forward to taking Franconia on. So I think that um, that race that she won last time is going to work out terribly. Obviously, Cavaletta really let the fall down at the weekend already. I think Cavaletta's um, still running. Yeah, and, and that's been very generous. Um, could I be back in Ricetta uh, seven to four? Or, although she's seven to two in a place. Obviously, coming back to James's point about the price discrepancy, no, not not for me. I, I didn't think she was that impressive last time carrying a penalty. So yeah, I agree with what you said about Pocket Square. She's a half sister to Sancha, who uh, I'm pretty sure we got beaten this Musidora actually. But yeah, she she had far better form. 
Um, of the Judmont three at, at nine to two, I think she'd be my pick as well. And there was another one that I was interested in at a big price, and that was uh, Alba Flora. Um, obviously, I'm a lifelong member of the Riff Beckett fan club, particularly with his fillies. But uh, yeah, she, she won quite impressively on debut for me. Um, she comes from a really good family. The Dams produced four horses. Uh, she's the fourth. Uh, all three of them that have run before Alba Flora have actually won in pattern class. So she's pre- uh, produced Alia Iacta, who won a group three in France for Andrea Fab. And uh, Rafe Becker actually trained the other two half-sisters. They were Alyssa and Aloe Vera, um, who both won at uh, 10 foot. Well, Aloe Vera won at 10 furlongs. Alyssa actually won at a mile five, I think it was. And she also won the uh, Park Hill as a four-year-old over a mile six. So, um, yeah, it, it's a really good family, as you'd expect from a Kirsten Rousing bred filly. Um, she's, she's only had the one start, so she's unexposed. But I suppose quite a lot of these are unexposed, really, aren't they? And, uh, yeah, at 25 to 1, uh, you use the Michael Stout cliche about four-year-old horses. I'll use the Rafe Beckett cliche about him and his fillies. <laughs> she's probably a bit overpriced, given their... Yeah, given the family seems to be uh, full of black type winners. There we go. So two cracking each race selections in a in a, nine, in a nine runner race there for us. Um, just looking back over sort of past winners there, this is a race that just tends to be can throw a couple of weaker renewals, but this actually does seem a very competitive renewal. So I'm quite I'm really excited for this race there at York on Thursday. Okay, so maybe... does usually farm it up, which would lead you to the uh, to Judmont at the top of the market. But I don't think any of these are going to be as good as uh, Somi Dar. Uh, did Lati Dar win it? I don't think she did. But... Yeah, Somi Dar. Just speed. Just the speed. Star of Seville, yes. the Fugue and Joviality a few years before that as well. So yeah, he's won five of the last ten renewals of this race. None of these will be as good as them, apart from maybe short speed. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to move on to the two-year-olds, the Merrygate, five furlong listed race. Um, I'm going to start off with the top one, Blackberry for Brian Smart. Um, she, she showed quite a bit of speed on her debut at Hamilton um, a few weeks ago. She was a bit slowly away, but she travelled very powerfully into the race. And she was maybe just getting a bit tired right at the end, but she, she, in, on the whole, she did it quite cosily. Uh, Brian Smarts, when they win first time out, do tend to usually be quite smart, and he is capable of getting um, a couple of smart sprinters. And in what is quite a wide open race, because most of them have only run once or twice at most, um, I thought she was maybe worth taking a chance, and she's around about the eight to one mark. Tom, um, going to you, uh, what do you fancy in this race? Uh, very unoriginal, but I'd be both surprised and disappointed if Sardinia Sunset got beat here. Uh, no matter what way you look at it, she's by far the best filly at the ratings. Uh, courtesy. So even if you ignored her fourth in the Queen Mary, which is obviously outstanding um, for, for a race like this, even on a second to Sacred at Newmarket on debut, I think that's probably the best form in the race. Um, she's top of the ratings. She's top of the speed figures. Yeah, I, I just can't, can't see her getting beat. The only... The only thing that may get beat is uh, 
in the last 10 years, there's only been one winner of this race who hasn't previously won a race. But um, obviously this, I suppose one, one argument of this is that it's a little bit later. So the Mary Gate traditionally is for the more kind of early to hand fillies. So now she might actually be benefited by the fact that this is run in July rather than first week of May or second week of May, sorry. But uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be very disappointed if she got beaten at 13 to 8. I, you'll see worse 13 to 8 favourites out there in all honesty. Okay, so a strong shout, strong shout for the favourite there. James, is there anything taking your eye in the Mary Kate? Yeah, it's usually a much bigger field than this. There's only nine runners this year. You usually get a mad dash of at least 15. Um, I agree with Tom's reasoning, but Sardinia Sunset's only around six to four. So I'm going to go with a, an each-way alternative in Miss Nay Never. Now, she was beaten on debut at Thirsk over six furlongs by quite a useful-looking type called Halla Halla Halla. But, but Miss Nay Never was really, really green that day, and she did show quite a lot of early pace. She wandered around about a furlong out when she was asked for an effort. Um, so if she comes on from that, I think she could be quite competitive here. Um, John Quinn does really well with these types. Um, he sent out Signora Cabello to win the race two years ago. Um, so I'm going to go with Miss Nay Never each way and you can get 11 to 1. There you go. So two potentially each way shouts there and a, a strong shout for the favourite in the Mary Gate. Um, the high class action, as we mentioned at the top of the show, is also coming from Newmarket at the start of their July meeting. So we're going to quickly move down the country to there and we're going to start off with what is, tends to be the feature race on the opening day, which is the Princess of Wales Stakes. And Tom, um, if you could start us off, what are your thoughts on the Princess of Wales Stakes at Newmarket? Uh, it's it's a very weak group too, isn't it? Um yeah, I think how how the ground plays out is probably going to be key to this race. Um, old Persian, on on his best form, should be favourite. But I think the fact that he's 9-2, kind of joint second favourite, tells you how irregularly he shows his best form. Um, Envihar is maybe a fair favourite. She's, she's ultra consistent. She always seems to run a race. Whether she's quite a, a 12 furlong horse on quick ground for me, Probably not. I think her best form is at a mile six. And uh, yeah, I, the one that I'm actually leaning towards is uh, Dame Malio of Ed Vaughan's. So her best performance was uh, over this course and distance on the July course. It was only a Phillies listed race. So obviously this is a massive step up from that. But the way that she stayed on was, was really taking um, she absolutely destroyed it. It was a fair listed race. I think Spirit of Appen has run quite, a, um, yeah, run quite a few good races in a better company as well. So it wasn't exactly like it was bad form. Uh, she followed that up with a win in France uh, in a Group Two, where she just got the better of Love So Deep. And um, the ground wasn't quite as heavy as uh, Racing Post as it was, but it was fairly soft. Uh, she she took a while to get up, and I think she only just got the, bat, uh, the better of the battle that day. And that was probably a step down, despite it being group two. But she just got a little bit stuck in the uh, softer ground. I think she's going to be better on uh, real top-of-the-ground stuff. And it, it's, it's a fairly open race. I mean, Antonia de Vega, she was lame at the weekend, and yet all of a sudden she's going to be running on uh, Thursday. 
on good to firm ground, not for me. Obviously, I've mentioned Old Persian. Alunak seemed to improve massively um, in the Hardwick. Could you back him to back that up? Not really. Communicate won this race last year, but I mean, none of his other form seems to stand up that well for a group two. He's probably only short because he's two out of two of July course. So, yeah, I think at 12 to 1, it's probably worth playing Den Malio each way, personally. Okay, so in each race shot there. Um, James, is there anything from you in the in the Princess World Stakes that's t- taken your eye? Not a strong fancy, but as Tom pointed out, um, communicates two from two on the July course, and I'm a horses for courses kind of guy. Um, I did notice Fanny Logan was um, originally entered in this, but uh, I don't know what the target for her is. So it's ended up being quite a, a weak group too, really. Um, didn't have much opinion on the race. Um, so I'm, I'm going with last year's winner, Communique. He just seems to come al- alive on the July course, really. It was probably too soft for him at Ascot last time. Um, you never know with the Johnson horses. the the tend to pop up when you don't expect them. Um, I'm going to go with Communique, really. Uh, like I said, he seems to come alive on the July course, so it's 7-1 to one in a week group too. I'm willing to give him a, a chance, but not much of a strong opinion. I, I only have a small bet, really. Okay. Um, for what it's worth, my point, I, I, for me, this isn't, isn't a race that I'll be looking to to have a bet in, to be honest. There's, there isn't... A lot of them are capable of running to a very similar level of form as each other, and the ones that are sort of capable of maybe running to a bit better have got sort of kind of question marks over them. So, for me, it's a race that I will not be having partaking in having a bet in. Okay, so we're going to stay at Newmarket and move back onto the two year olds to the July stakes. Um, another sort of high class juvenile race for is it. Group two and um, James, we're going to start with you on this one. Is there anything that takes your fancy in the July stakes? Between Richard Hannon and Richard Hannon Senior, they've won the race five times in the last 10 years. So it's interesting that, oh, it was interesting. We've been taken out. Um, I thought Ventura Tormentor was going to run. But he did run quite quickly, uh, not well, not so long ago at, at Yarmouth. Um, so I'll go to the one that I really do fancy, and that's a horse called escape route I think he's gone under the radar a bit um, made his debut at Pontefract where he's drawn really wide uh, well not really wide but as wide as he could get there's about five or six runners um, and he kept that position for most of the race and as we know Pontefract's a track where you want to be positioned well and on the inside so I thought it was quite quite impressive how he how he went all the way around the outside um, and then swooped around to win under hands and heels under Danny Tudope, I think it was. That was, I think that was over five. I can't remember. Um, it looks like he's got more to come over six. Um, he beat a couple of horses that day who'd shown a reasonable level of form so far. I was just impressed by the, the way how he had the, the worst field track position. Um, and he still came round experienced runners with ease and, sort of went past them under hands and heels. I think there could be a lot more to come um, from escape route. I think 16 to 1 is absolutely massive. Okay, so strong each-way selection for you there uh, on escape route. 
Um, I'm also going to be putting one up each way in this. I think uh, Victory Heights is one that um, is very overpriced on his Ascot run. So he, he won on debut at Newcastle um, over five furlongs and it was riding on the slow side that day. And he went to Ascot and he was drawn in the possibly in the worst possible stall. He was, he was right over on the far side. Um, it was on the open, was early on in the week, sorry, where the, there was still very much the near side draw bias. Despite that, he dropped out and came all the way across from stall four, all the way across to the near side rail, right at the back of the field. He had to sacrifice a lot of ground and a lot of energy to get across. Um, despite that, he was staying on very strongly at the finish. Um, by that point, Tactical and Yards of Man had already sort of got their run on him. I think the step up to six furlongs will really suit him. And I think 18 to 1, I think he's he's just overpriced and I think he's got a good each-way chance. Okay, Tom, what about yourself for the July stakes? Uh, I think that this is an absolute cracking race, to be honest. You've got Ascot form very well represented. Uh, you've got Kedar from the Coventry stakes. He was uh, second, only 250 to one shot, Nando Parado. Uh, tactical won the Windsor Castle from Yazaman. Uh, I'd, I'd fancy Yazaman to reverse that form over six. He, he looks tactical, looks a bit speedier than uh, and Yazaman looked like he would appreciate uh, the step up a little bit more. Um, I even thought Lauded's run uh, was quite good in that Coventry Stakes as well. He travelled really well and uh, just didn't see it out. Uh, to be honest, this is a race where you could give me five free bets and I'll back five different ones. Um, I absolutely love Jimmy Sparks. Um, I've tipped him both of his runs so far, um, but I think I'm going to have to abandon him. And uh, yeah, I, I would side with you, I think, at 20 to 1. Uh, there is quite a lot of 20 to 1 available about Victory Heights, actually. Yeah, for, for exactly the same reasons. He, he made up, so covered so much more ground than anybody else. Uh, he also had to kind of weave in and out while he was making his run. The race had already flown by the time. Um, he, he got that run because he made up kind of so much ground or gave away so much ground, sorry, coming across to the other side of the track. And uh, yeah, I, I'd be happy chancing him at 20 to 1. So he, he'd be my pick as well, Victory Height. There you go. So a couple of strong each way fancies there in a, in a very competitive race. Mine wouldn't be strong just because it's yeah. such a good race, but he is he is the one that strikes me as the most overpriced. Okay, so staying at Newmarket now, we're going to move to the one of the earlier races, the One Mile Bahrain International Sir Henry Cecil Stakes, a listed race for three-year-olds, and this looks a very very exciting contest. Um, and. Tom, starting with you this time, uh, who do you fancy in, in the Sir Henry Cecil Stakes? Uh, well, after a couple of outsiders in the last two races, I'm going to have to revert back to uh, my York tactics of going for a favourite. Uh, I'd really struggle to see Lord Campari beat here, to be honest. Uh, one thing I will say is I'm absolutely gutted he's not in a handicap because of 95 my God, what a certainty he would be in a handicap of 95. Um, I, I think it, the way that he absolutely destroyed Saar, uh, was it Newbury last time? Yeah, yeah. Newbury. Yeah, um, yeah he, he destroyed him. He absolutely travelled all over him. He 
They pulled a long way clear of the third as well. And uh, Saar backed that up by winning a handicap off, I think it was 86 or there thereabouts at Yarmouth last week. Yeah, Ed Saar won that uh, really well as well. Um, he was a lot better than the winning margin suggested. Um, obviously, he, he'd need to improve on the bare form of beating an 85 rated handicapper to win. But there was just a lot to like about the style of it. It was in a really quick time. The sectionals were good. And uh, yeah, I, I think that he'll, by, at the end of the year, I, I'd be shocked if we don't see him in group one company. So yeah, I, I'd struggle to get him beat. So, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't see any each way value against him either. Okay, strong, strong, strong. Um, James, what's your take on this race? Yeah, couldn't agree more with Tom, really. Um, I think Lord Campari is my strongest fancy Thursday. Exactly the same reasons. Demolished Sar at Newbury. Looked like a group horse. Only start at two. Was a, basically an experienced run, but that was behind Palace Pier. Um, he did get seven pounds from Sar last time, but that wouldn't have mattered. He'd still won. Um, can't say any more. Lord Campari should win. I tend to agree with you guys. He looks uh, an absolute machine. The one horse that I was really surprised was running here was Al Sahel, just because they banged on all winter about how he was going to be a derby horse. Now he'd step up, appreciate a step up for middle distances. He ran appallingly in the guineas and then he's back over a mile again here. So I'm, I was quite surprised to see him running here and to see him as short in the market as he is against him. The, the one that I just highlighted to people in the case they hadn't seen is a horse called Tilsit, who managed to win at Newcastle by 19 lengths. Um, which was very bizarre because it was obviously the straight mile at Newcastle and he just kind of took up the running about three furlongs out and just pulled further and further and further clear which was very impressive um, he's, he's got quite an interesting pedigree as well and while it's going to be he's sort of fairly closely related to Kingman on the dam side the only issue I'd have with him being by first defence who's an American stallion I'd, I'd just be slightly concerned with him reverting back to turf and maybe the, the 19 length victory would be too good to believe. <laughs> he's certainly one to, to pay attention to. Um, he's about five to one. But Lord Campari did look like a proper, proper serious horse. So I think you'd be a bit daft to be taking him on in this. Okay, moving on to the 225 at Newmarket, the Bahrain Trophy. Um, over a mile five is often a St. Ledger trial um, in some form or another. And Tom, starting with you, is there anything taking your fancy in this? No, not not even slightly. I, I thought I'd be shocked if there's a ledger horse in here. Um, the one that maybe caught my eye a little bit, I, I'd probably want a little bit more to uh, back him, was damage control of Andrew Baldings for uh, the... Yeah, um, it, he... Uh, it's very difficult to explain. He, he's been a bit of a pig so far. He's, he's done his best to lose as many races as he has. I mean, he came from that Kenzai warrior maiden at Salisbury. But, um, it's going to sound really weird because he recorded his lowest RPR when uh, winning at Chepstow last time. But to me, that was actually his most impressive performance yet. Um, he beat a horse who's, I mean, so exposed, rate 55. So I can see why they're looking down on it. But you, it's a race where you need to watch to see what happens. He literally hung across the other side of the track, all the way across. Rob Hornby couldn't steer him. 
Um, he, he nearly stumbled, he nearly fell. Um, and then he, he nearly fell again when he uh, basically nearly ran into the rail. Um, he, he's clearly got a massive engine on him. But uh, yeah, I'd maybe chance him because he, he looks like he'll appreciate the step up, even though he's by Zoffany. But yeah, I, I couldn't be backing him. He'd be a tentative selection. James, is there anything? No, nothing for me. Didn't like this race. Um, not going to waste your time. Yeah, I'm just, the one that I, I quite was looking forward to seeing again was uh, Dawn Rising. Um, he's obviously got a remarkably similar profile to Serpentine. They both turned up in the same um, maiden earlier on in the season. And he, he finished just ahead of Serpentine that day. Um, although he looked second string on jockey bookings, he then came out and won a, a very small race at Limerick by 12 lengths over a mile and a half. Um, he's he's a, obviously he's one of these Galileos that's very unexposed. He's got a high class pedigree, um, plenty of stamina. He's related to last season. He's the full brother, I think, to last season's Irish Derby winner, uh, Sovereign. And I thought he was quite exciting here in what looks a very weak race. I can't believe that Al Arce... I'm, I'm going to open myself up to look like an idiot here because he is the favourite, but how Al Arce is the favourite for this race, I've got, I've got absolutely no idea because, I mean, he obviously, he ran okay behind Mishriff two starts ago, but he still beat in 10.5 lengths that day. And then he's since come out and won what's potentially the worst new market novice <laughs> record I've ever seen in my entire life. Um <laughs> Albeit he won well, but like he, he literally the horse back in in the horse back. It was just a terrible, terrible race. I'd, I'd be shocked if I, I just can't see how he's five to two favourite for a Group Three, even though it's as weak as this. I, I think Dawn Rising should be probably just about should be favourite to be honest. I think he, I think he's the one with the most exciting profile for this race. Were you about to say the horse back in third had previously put up RPRs of nineteen and nine? Yes, I, I wasn't loading quick enough, so I decided to move on. But that was around about the point that I was going to be putting up. Yeah, I mean, I just it was. It, I, for, you don't expect a new market race to be that bad, but it was. Um, so yeah, <laughs> watch him go and win by another ten lengths on Thursday, and I'll look like an absolute tit. But it wouldn't be the first time. Anyway, so we're going to move on to the last race. We're going to quickly preview now, and that's the. The six furlong bet for a six five handicap. It's a for three year olds only. Six, let's say six furlongs. It's usually one of the most competitive three year old handicaps of the season. Um, and James, you like a handicap to get stuck into? What's taking your eye here? Um, I was looking at the head of the market at, and I think Lexington Dash is there yet six to one. This horse has improved a lot. The switch to turf and after a wind off, did it so easy last time and could easily be a group performer, I think. Um, the gra- it would want the ground to stay quick. I've got the grounds being good to firm, but I'm not sure what the weather's going to do at Newmarket over the next couple of days. That will suit him as opposed to his nearest rivals, who I would have thought would be keep busy. Uh, and who was the other one? Dancing in the street. I think they might need slightly softer ground. So if it stays firm, I'd have Lexington Dash uh, to win this race. Potential group performer. Okay, and Tom, quickly, anything that you like in this in the handicap? Uh, I don't know about a potential group performer, but I agreed that uh, Lexington Dash should have been favourite for this. I, th- I think it's six to one is bet. Um, the the way that the race panned out at 
Newmarket last time on the Rowley Mile. Um, it the, they all just took each other took each other on out in front, and uh, yeah, that set it up perfectly for a closer like him. You'd expect a big uh, big field handicap like this to yeah to be very much the same. Lots of pace, and yeah, the wind up seems to have worked wonders. So I'd be quite confident at six to one that uh, he, he'd be my best bet. There we go. For us, I've not had a, a, a good enough look for the race yet, so I'm, I won't uh, waste anybody's time with, with trying to pick up a selection at this point. Um, so there you go. I hope you, everyone's enjoyed listening. Um, we've got plenty of value, I think, despite the sort of trappy nature of a few of the races. Um, so thank you very much. And if you like the podcast, please retweet and give it a, a good rating on, on Apple Podcasts. Um, and thank you very much. Goodbye.